Hello, all. Welcome to First Watch Rewatch. Here's a podcast where we go through the thrift store of pop culture and find those those hidden gems, that jacket from the 1970s that made a corduroy that just looks so good for you. I'm here with regular ex-millennial man contributor and regular purveyor of trash, Ty Kulik. I mean, unlike other podcasts, I allow some cursing on this one. What the shit, Ty? <laughs> First of all, hi, everybody. Uh, the movie we're going to talk about today, I have a fond, deep love for. So you can say what the shit all you want. I, I think this movie is incredible. Incredibly bad, but incredibly watchable. So we are talking about 2000, was it 2003? I believe that sounds right. Is I'm when it came not out. Certain on the year, but most that of right. most of us discovered this later, like me, twenty years later. Just <laughs> discovered the the seminal classic, The Room. Now, this is the movie that Brie Larson won her Oscar for, a harrowing oh, tale of a. That's called Room. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I forgot. Okay, I watched the wrong one. Which, oh no, you watched a very sad movie. Yeah, which there is a crossover that I'll talk between those two movies that I will talk about when we talk about the legacy of it. But yes, the Why So films, Citizen Kane of terrible films, The Room. I, yeah, please. <laughs> yeah, I I can't. I mean, look, part of me might say it's like a generational thing. You know, my generation had Rocky Horror or something. Maybe Rocky Horror is a good movie, though. No, it is. It is. This is a, and by no means am I going to say there's anything about the room that's good. As a matter of fact, I'm going to be pulling out my old theater academic theater training to talk about a few things that the room is uh, is just missing. But uh, yeah. <laughs> it's so close to being a perfect movie. Yeah. Before we start, Ty, I'm going to play for the listeners the trailer to the movie. It's about a minute and a half long, but it's going to set. Usually I'll play the trailers anyways, but this one is important to play because it's going to completely set our conversation about what this movie really is. A perfect world. These are for you. Thanks, honey. They're beautiful. A perfect life. I would do anything for my girl. I love you, Lisa. I love you, Johnny. Surprise! He provides for you. Darling, you can't support yourself. I don't love him anymore. He didn't get his promotion. And he got drunk last night. And he hit me. It's not true. I did not hit her. Well, maybe you should have a girl, Mark. Yeah. Yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe I have one already. I don't know yet. We can't do this anymore. Johnny's my best friend. This will be our secret. Don't worry. You can trust me. We're expecting! Ah. I'm your future husband. You sure about that? Please talk to me, please! You're having an affair with Lisa, aren't you? I need more from life than what Johnny can give me. She's a sociopath. She can't love anyone. There is no baby. I told him that to make it interesting. Oh, she's such a manipulative witch. You're hurting yourself. You're hurting our friendship. I treat you like a princess. And you stab me in the back. You are tearing me apart, Lisa! Hey, Danny. Where's my money, Danny? Put the gun down. What the hell is wrong with you? Shut up. Oh. Hey, stop it off of this world. The Room. A film with the passion of Tennessee Williams, directed by Tommy Wiseau. The best movie of the year. Experience this quirky new black comedy. It's a riot. <laughs> I love that they lean into the comedy. <laughs> so this trailer was obviously made after this movie came out, because I'm going to talk about this. And also, something I'm going to totally give to whoever created the marketing for this. I recorded that a few minutes before we started today. Uh, okay. Started recording today. I've already seen this movie twice now, all right? One of the first things I wrote is it's like bad community theater trying to do a Tennessee Williams play. Yeah, okay, so you had <laughs> so I've read the book, uh, The Disaster Artist. They made a movie about that, and Greg Sestero, who plays Mark in the movie, he wrote the book with another person, and they said that Tommy Wiseau was obsessed with Tennessee Williams. It's a, actually a big part in the Disaster Artist movie. I only know of Tennessee Williams from you doing plays and you telling me about Tennessee Williams and reading about him. But this movie is far from the most dramatic thing since the Tennessee Williams oh, play. I mean, I personally think Tennessee Williams is up there as one of the greatest playwrights. Obviously, I think he's the most he's the greatest American playwright. The only other thing I can say about Tennessee Williams is he's from St. Louis. Absolutely hated St. Louis. Basically, mm -hmm. the final monologue in um in the glass menagerie is about how i'm gonna get the f out of st louis 
And he, uh, when he died, I think his mother might have still, or his mother might have just died, but he died. He choked on like a pill cap bottle or something. Didn't have a proper will. So he's buried in St. Louis and he hated that place more than anything. His uh, star, Walk of Fame star, whatever, still in Del Mar. Yeah. I see that every time I go down there. So he's either at uh, Calvary Cemetery or the other one, but he's buried in one of the really famous cemeteries. He's buried in the same one that Dred Scott's actually buried in. Oh, wow. Yeah. But anyways, Tennessee Williams, he didn't invent this idea, but there's he kind of perfected this idea of called a chamber play. And what a chamber play is, is a play with a small cast that takes place in like one or two rooms. I would say the room takes place in a room and a rooftop, but <laughs> we'll well, go. and you get lots of great shots of San Francisco uh, in the beginning. A lot of yeah, a lot of B yeah, a lot of B roll of San Francisco. And then we'll talk about the green screens too. But uh-huh. no, so Tommy Wiseau, who yeah, when we talk about after we go through the movie, you talk about the fact that you've met and talked with Tommy Wiseau. Uh-huh. <laughs> Nobody knows when he was born or where he was born. He's from New Orleans. That's what he says. That's what he says. <laughs> there, people have been trying to unravel who this person is for a long time. They think he might have been born sometime in the mid to late fifties in Poland, mm-hmm. but uh, there's not a. That's the weird thing. There's not a lot known about him. And Nobody he, knows how he got all the money to make this movie. He, as I say, <laughs> he financed this movie, and this movie cost him $6 million, which would be equivalent to close to $10 million today. That's a pretty penny. Yeah. And <laughs> to make this piece of garbage. Yeah, you know, a lot of this is coming from the book The Disaster Artist, but uh, uh-huh. Greg Sestero did. There, there's all these rumors about how Wiseau got this money, and one of the big ones was it was a money laundering thing for the mob. And Sestero's mm-hmm. like, that's not it. Uh, he's no. He's a wealthy person for some reason. And I think it's familial wealth. I mean. Yeah, yeah. It's so, what I've heard. And he wanted to, He, uh, I guess the story was he, I don't know, lost a job or something bad happened. He decided now's my time to get into movies. Mm-hmm. He originally, he wrote this as a play, which makes a lot of sense. And according to legend, it's after he saw the movie, The Talented Mr. Ripley with Jude Law and Matt Damon. And uh, yeah, was well, just that's why Mark is Mark because he thought Matt Damon's name was Mark. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. And he wrote this play, but could not get it produced, so he turned it into a book, which was five hundred and forty pages. That's a long book. Yes, <laughs> and he wanted to produce this himself because uh, he wanted control over it. Mm. And this is a a common story. I talked about this with the Apple. Talked about this, uh, Grease 2 to a point, but a lot of times creators shouldn't be the person in charge. And this is a great film to talk about that. Leading up to it, he did get a few theaters in Hollywood, but before that, he got a um, a billboard. Yep. <laughs> Very famous billboard. Yeah. People, I, people have obviously talked about this on other movie podcasts, but people who live in L.A. saying driving by the billboards, one of the scariest things they've ever seen. Yeah, if you guys haven't <laughs> seen, it's, it's they call it the evil man look, and it's basically a close-up of Tommy Wiseau with one of his eyes in like half blink or something. <laughs> well, he's got a problem with one of his eyes. That's yeah. why he always wears sunglasses. Yeah, yeah. And it's a this billboard they got is in a pretty prominent spot in Hollywood. It was just off of Highland Avenue, north of Fountain Avenue. So he bought this billboard pretty expensive. He actually kept it up there for five years. Oh, wow. Yeah. I didn't realize he did it that long. Again, you talk about the expense of the movie, and he his reasoning, Wiseau's reasoning for doing this is because, oh, hey, it's a, it's a great location. It actually turned into kind of a tourist hotspot mm-hmm. for a while, too, before it came down. But he rented out a few theaters. He got a limo and invited a bunch of critics and came to his opening, the the opening of the room, and uh, one of the critics said half the audience was trying to leave 30 minutes later. Yep. Now, laughing, openly laughing. At yes. Movie. Now, we're going to talk about, though, why this movie, uh, it was such a disaster to begin with, why it's become what it is after we go through it. So mm-hmm. let's talk about the plot of this movie. All right. <laughs> I think it's a pretty, I mean, you can break it down really simple. A guy has a job. He's faithful to his girlfriend. His girlfriend's unfaithful to him with his best friend. He's upset at that. It's a low triangle. He kills himself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's pretty much it. I mean, a few things that I noticed in this, obviously, there's why so's voice. Yeah. Like you said, he says he's from New Orleans. 
people think he might be from Poland and then moved to New Orleans and then moved to San Francisco. Uh, Greg Sestero said this is kind of a, a, a semi-autobiographical thing mm-hmm. about when he first moved to San Francisco and was betrayed by his girlfriend and his friends. Let's talk about Denny for a moment. Yeah. Let's talk about Denny. <laughs> Denny, the 30-year-old kid who acts like he's 10 and likes to watch Lisa and Tommy fooling around in bed together. <laughs> so we're talking about the first five minutes of the movie. All right. And Lisa, who is uh, portrayed, the actress's name is Juliet Danielle. And they, look, I'm going to say a few nice things about this movie. All right. The actors are not overall terrible. And I mean that in a way like you watch how they uh, how they react to shots or how they react to what other people are saying. Sometimes I, there's a famous, famous line from when they were making Star Wars. And Harrison Ford was complaining about the dialogue to George Lucas. And Lucas is like, just read what I wrote. And Harrison Ford said, you may be able to write this shit, but nobody can speak it. And (laughs) this is kind of the way it is. This is what with these actors, I think, outside of Tommy Wiseau. I don't think any of them are terrible by any means. No. They're kind of high-level community. To Tommy Wiseau's credit, he's going for it. Oh, yeah. He's not a good actor, but he's going for it. No, he's definitely going for it. But... Juliet Danielle, she she plays the the super bitch really well, and she's she's not bad to look at, and she's got nice boobs, which you get to see quite a few quite a few times in the first thirty minutes. So. Which I believe, reading about it, she was very uncomfortable doing those scenes with Tommy Wiseau. Yes, that's <laughs> what you've heard, and even to the point of uh, Greg Sestero wanted to keep his pants on during mm-hmm. the scenes with them. Yeah, so yeah, she she is definitely. As close to exploited in this movie that I've ever seen. And mm-hmm. oh, before I wanted, before I forget too, one of the first reviews that came out said, Why so? And this is a quote Is Borat trying to do impression of Christopher Walken playing a mental patient? <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty spot on, I think. <laughs> and The Guardian said, It's like Tennessee Williams, Ed Wood, and R. Kelly's Trapped in the Closet made a movie. Another very, very well written <laughs> review. <laughs> So he's there with Lisa. He's like, look at this red dress. And then Denny comes in. Now, this is where I'm not going to say something good. This I I immediately wrote down. It's like a play because what they do is they enter the room, fully close the door, stand still, deliver their lines. It's very Mm -hmm. robotic in how they do it. But then, yeah, Johnny, who is why so and Lisa are like, oh, I'm going to put this dress on and then we're going to have fun. And Denny's like, can I watch? And they're like, no, instead of like. No, that's Johnny. Close. <laughs> Johnny says two's a party, three's a crowd, I believe is his yeah. from that. And they <laughs> he also like have... misinterprets these famous American <laughs> yeah, things throughout yeah, the whole movie. Yeah. <laughs> and they have like a little pillow fight. Uh-huh. And then Denny Denny's Le- there. Yeah. Yeah. Denny's in the middle of fight. <laughs> it's like, okay, bye. Yeah. Yes, yes. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> and then it's the only the thing I wrote down is softcore porno music comes as it's like smooth jazz from the 90s with a guitar shred over it, you know? <laughs> and Lisa gets naked. Johnny gets naked. He's putting rose petals all over her. Some mm-hmm. B, or not even B grade, C grade R&B tune starts mm-hmm. up. The sex scenes, first off, I think are each like 30 seconds long. No, that, so that's what I want to say. You know, I've seen this movie a bunch. I've seen it way more than two times because you just recently watched it, but... I've shown it to my wife before, too. And I remember the first time she saw it, she was sitting there and she asked me, OK, when is this sex scene? And I told her, oh, this is only the first one. I swear <laughs> you say 30 seconds. They feel like they're 10. Oh, yeah. Long. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and he's also like Lisa's got this medical condition where her vagina is directly below her breasts. No. Again, <laughs> Tommy Wiseau doesn't know how to simulate sex. It's clear as day. Because he is definitely <laughs> humping her like mid stomach. 100 percent if if not higher it's also shot like through like a cinemax like through sheets and it's all like arty or some stu- and there's like waterfalls running <laughs> yeah, down in a, yeah. a glass window pane it looks like it's rainy so hey you, you seemingly think oh wow they have a pretty nice relationship <laughs> oh man are you misinformed <laughs> this is five minutes into the movie ty mm-hmm. 15 minutes in the movie this young dude with a beard who says he's friends with Johnny named Mark shows up and then he and Lisa have sex. Mm-hmm. Lisa and, gets around. Yes. <laughs> That's 15 minutes into the movie. I wrote it down. 
that's another another long sex scene with C grade R and B music. Yep, yeah. But this one's not shot through sheets; it's shot through the bars of the stairwell or something yep, like uh-huh. that. Which, uh, when I you read in the book, Grace Astero and the actress who played Lisa said that that was like, you know, uncomfortable to shoot, obviously, but like physically uncomfortable to oh, do as well. I abs- <laughs> I, I would not be shocked at all so so yeah you know lisa's like oh i don't love johnny and the, the with, with no reasoning why. <laughs> yeah no none none whatsoever <laughs> they keep talking he's in he's some like he's it, a banker, banker or, something. or something yeah and he's gonna get a promotion but he doesn't get a promotion but she's obviously sleeping around with mark before he does not get the promotion the unsung hero of lisa's mom being the voice of reason which whose cancer never gets <laughs> yeah. mentioned after she says come back i have cancer oh yeah i was gonna bring it's a good time to bring it up there's just a scene where they're just sitting there and she's like Chatting. well i got cancer uh, lisa's like oh mom i hope you're okay yeah <laughs> <laughs> <Chill> it again <laughs> ne- never never bring it up again which this is not the only time we're going to completely drop a plot thread. Again, the well, book was 540 pa- pages or whatever. <laughs> well, according to lore from this movie, too, like p- people saying stuff now, and you never know how much of this is true or not, but the lady who played Lisa's mom was like an old, you know, she's been in the business forever, never really had a role. She would drive like an hour each way to film this, and Tommy Wiseau wouldn't give them water, and he <laughs> wouldn't turn on air conditioning. So she like passed out. During the filming of this movie. <laughs> <God>. <laughs> <sighs> I, I do want to bring up, too, that the scene where uh, where things turn, let's say, is when Johnny comes home, says he doesn't get the doesn't get the promotion and he gets drunk. So mm-hmm. before that, though, like before that scene, it's just a shot of Lisa on the phone with a pizza delivery place. And do you remember the pizza order she made? From what I remember, it's very odd and doesn't sound good. <laughs> yeah. They say it's half Hawaiian. Okay. Half pesto and artichoke with light cheese. <laughs> That's pretty <laughs> gross. <laughs> Which the concept of food in this, when I get to the coffee shop, we are, yeah. you're going to find out quickly that. But anyways, she's like, he's all upset. And like, I didn't get the promotion and all the money I save him. And Lisa's <laughs> like, are you hungry? You want the pizza? He's like, oh, whatever. Do what you want. She's like, well, I already ordered. He's like, ah, you know, everything. <laughs> Well, and the funny thing, too, and I'll talk more about this with my you know history of it, but I didn't remember the pizza order, but I knew, though, that do know that Johnny and Lisa are having what they're drinking is scotchka, yes. which is scotch and vodka. <laughs> and I've seen again, I'll explain more when we get to it, but I've gone to a couple of midnight screenings and my buddy who went with me, Kirk, who's done stuff for this podcast and website before, brought that with him. And he said it was disgusting. <laughs> yes. No, it's, it sounds terrible. And Johnny's like, I don't drink. And she's like, oh, I'll be good for you. And she basically forces it down his throat. And then you see they're starting a party and she's got his tie around her head. And... I'm tired. I'm <laughs> wasted. He yeah. says all that stuff. Yeah. And you know, you haven't ever gone overboard with the drinking like i have once or twice in my life and <laughs> once or twice this year maybe <laughs> yeah. and i i remember i think one of our earliest ex-millennial man podcasts i talked about how my wife and i went to a halloween party where i was mark antony and she was cleopatra and i remember the whole night looking at it thinking man i'm gonna be having fun with that tonight but then you get really drunk and what happens when you get really drunk you can't have a lot of fun because <laughs> you nothing works and you're just done but that doesn't happen here because then you have your third sex scene ty we are 25 minutes into the movie okay i was gonna i'm sure you i was gonna say i'm sure you clocked it so I how, and <laughs> yeah. this movie isn't terribly long i think it's oh like no an hour and a half about hour an hour and, and a half yeah a little bit over yeah immediately after that lisa's talking with her mom and she's like he didn't get his promotion and he hit me <laughs> <laughs> again apropos to nothing yes like, you don't see any of this she's just lives in this fantastical world where she wants to leave Johnny so she can be with Mark. <laughs> yeah. And then you have, and I, this is exactly what I wrote. Some random couple shows up in their house. This is uh-huh. like another scene and <laughs> yep. they're like trying to centrally eat chocolate, but they're both. Chocolate's the language or the food of love <laughs> yeah. or something I believe they say. And they're very awkward <laughs> about it. And then you uh-huh. see she starts to go down on him and he's got this like, oh, what's this girl he's, doing to me? Like, he's got an O face before the O would even <laughs> yeah. come, come along and his hair is. So late nineties. Oh yeah. 2000s. Oh yeah. It's, and that's the other thing I was say. The fashion in this movie, like they're all wearing too big of clothes. And like I said, mm-hmm. Lisa, she. 
I, I think she's an attractive girl. She looks like Britney Spears. Totally. Is 100%. And I know they originally, uh, James Franco and uh, Seth Rogen had talked to Britney Spears about being in The Disaster Artist, but I, I don't think it worked out. They but, got an actress who is friends with Seth Rogen to play the Lisa role in that movie, and she was great. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I haven't seen The Disaster Artist yet, but I plan you on it now. To. It's fantastic. This is when we're first uh, introduced to the green screen. <laughs> <laughs> I did not hit her. It's bullshit. I did no, not no, no, no. This is, this is before, this is before uh, that. Because the Chris R scene happens before uh, that. With Denny and Chris R. Okay, yeah. Where's my money, Denny? Yeah. <laughs> Denny's dribbling a basketball in what is seemingly an alleyway also. Yeah. There's no hoop yeah. within miles that we can see. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> see, you need to see The Disaster Artist too to see Zach Efron's greatest role as Chris R. He's incredible. <laughs> I didn't know he played. <laughs> yeah. Incredible. And and <laughs> I'm not going to spoil anything, but like James Franco is Tommy Wiseau in the background as he's filming that scene where Zac Efron's doing it. And Zac Efron goes for it. James Franco as Wiseau says, oh, he's an animal. But in Wiseau's voice, it's one of the best scenes I've ever seen. <laughs> I mean, this whole Chris R scene and Denny and he's like. Mm-hmm. Give me my money. He's like, I'm going to get it. I'm going to get it. And he's like, what are you going to get it? Five minutes. And then he pulls a gun on him. He's like, give me the money. And he's like, oh, he I don't have him by the neck yeah. with a gun to his head. Yeah, he's like, I don't, we have don't know him. if Denny has mental issues or <laughs> possibly autistic. We don't know what his deal is. No. And then you see, uh, you see Johnny and Mark come in and they like wrestle it away. And like, give to the police. And then Lisa and her mom screaming at him. What drugs, Denny? Where are the drugs? He's like, leave me <laughs> alone. <laughs> Yes, yeah, this terrible green screen behind him, which is just outside San Francisco. You can mm-hmm. just – I talked about how – why this movie costs so much. Tommy Wiseau – this is a good time to talk about this – wanted to film it on 35-millimeter film, which is a standard, and high-definition digital at the same time. Yep. Now, again, this is 2003, all right? Mm-hmm. A lot of people consider – the first digital film was like 1999 or something like that, but famously, Star Wars Episode Two: Attack of the Clones – is the first big, big movie that was filmed entirely digital. All right. Okay. So Tommy Wiseau is doing something that has just started. Now, there's a lot of famous movies that came after that. Sky Captain World of Tomorrow, Sin City. I mean, they have this look, obviously, Revenge of the Sith and on and on and on. Borat was filmed digitally. Really specific looks, though. They do. They do. So he never was able to get the digital video, but that's probably why it's so expensive. Also, he had replaced cast members a few times. Oh, yeah. Well, you mentioned the couple who is in the movie in that one scene. The girl comes back. The guy doesn't. Oh, yeah. The guy's never to be seen again. Oh, no, no. Isn't he the guy they push into the trash can? No, that's another guy who Nathan Fielder plays in The Disaster Artist. <laughs> the famous thing with that guy, too, is that, again, this is all lore, but when he gets pushed while they're playing catch, playing catch with football and tuxedos, <laughs> doesn't make any sense, but they're playing catch when that guy gets pushed down. His last line is, okay, I'm done. Oh, yeah. And a lot of people say that that guy, that's him quitting the movie. <laughs> him, like, telling Tommy, that's it. And yeah. he kept it on film and put it in his movie. I don't think he was ever in any more of the movie. I think no, you're right. Because he has the scene where he's with Mark on the rooftop where, mm-hmm. oh, you're smoking drugs and you're having an affair with Lisa and everything. And then he's in that scene where he plays catch and then he's done. He doesn't come back for the party. <laughs> he doesn't come back for anything in the rest of that movie. Yeah, that's right. And Nathan Fielder plays him in The Disaster oh, Artist. Geez. It's great. Jesus. <laughs> So anyways, you never find out. Uh, I mean, Denny's drug problem is just like Lisa's mom's cancer. It's just (laughs) completely forgotten about. But this is where I'm going to introduce something called Chekhov's gun. Have you ever heard this? Yes, many times. Yeah, so... If you see a gun in a movie, it's going to be used at some point. Based off (laughs) a a playwright, Anton Chekhov, where... And usually what happens... Okay, here's my theater education showing its ugly face. Usually what happens, and this is how I would do it for the disaster artist. Early in the movie, Denny would... Pardon? Or I'm room. sorry, the room. Yeah, yeah. Early in the movie, Denny would come in and he would go over to a drawer or something and pull out the gun and go, hey, Johnny, what's this? And Johnny like, no, Denny, don't touch that. It's too dangerous. <laughs> you do a very good time. <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> and he would put it away. And so you would know Johnny has a gun in the house. Now, this took me my second viewing because I went back to look specifically for this. But this is the moment Johnny gets the gun. All right. Mm-hmm. Is when they get it from Chris R, which makes yep. no sense. Nope. It's just some throw because I assume he gave the gun to the cops. But anyways, well, why wouldn't Chris R just keep his own gun? 
But, well, I, they they brought him to the cops, and Greg was holding it very badly. Like, these people don't know how to hold things. <laughs> <laughs> or not, not Greg, uh, Mark. Mark, yeah. <laughs> so well, Greg Sestero's the actor. Yeah. Now, after that, here's where maybe the most famous line in the entire movie comes in. But I want to play a little bit of this whole scene. Again, this is the rooftop with a green screen San Francisco around it. I want everybody to know, when you hear this, Tommy Wiseau, his character, thinks he's alone when he comes out onto the rooftop. So the first few lines he says, or the first line he says, he doesn't think anyone's around him, all right? I did not hit her. It's not true. It's bullshit. I did not hit her. I did not. Oh, hi, Mark. Oh, hey, Johnny. What's up? I have a problem with Lisa. She said that I hit her. What? Fantastic. I did love you? the oh, hi, no, Mark. No, it's not true. Don't even ask. What's new with you? Well, I'm just sitting up here thinking, you know. I got a question for you. Yeah. You think girls like to cheat like guys do? <laughs> what makes you say that? I don't know. I don't know. I'm just I'm just thinking. I don't have to worry about that because Lisa is loyal to me. Yeah, man, you never know. People are very strange these days. <laughs> I used to know a girl. She had a dozen guys. One of them found out about it, beat her up so bad she ended up in a hospital on Guerrero Street. <laughs> What a story, Mark. <laughs> That's my favorite part of that. <laughs> there's, there's a great scene in The Disaster Artist with Seth Rogen's character talking to James Franco's Tommy Wiseau. He's saying, maybe you shouldn't laugh at that because this is a really horrible thing that you guys are talking about. <laughs> but also, I just love the whole idea of like, we li- what a strange world we live in and how Mark is like trying to tell tommy something without telling him something do you think girls cheat like guys what makes you say that i don't know but then also tommy says to him i don't have to worry about that because lisa's loyal to me now remember at the very beginning of the scene i did not hit her i did not it's not true it's bullshit so he's saying that she lied but then 30 seconds later saying that she's loyal to him. i mean it is the oh hi mark that everybody we all <laughs> oh yeah i mean if you go on youtube or go on google and google oh hi mark song they did a whole auto-tune song <laughs> it's incredible i mean my wife and i will walk around the house singing that still to this day just out of nowhere it'll pop into our head so here's where all the tennessee williams drama comes in you have the it's, i had it played in the trailer i don't have it queued up here but you have the whole you're tearing me apart, Lisa. <laughs> you know where he got that from, right? From James Dean. Yeah, he's a huge James Dean. Fan. Yeah. Him and Grace Astero are both, are both big James Dean. Yeah. Fans. He and Lisa. But then, like, even that scene, she's like, I'm going to bed. It's going to be okay. Good night. And he just sits on the couch. Okay, good night. <laughs> <laughs> it makes absolutely no sense. And then this is where the other character comes in of the football. Like, mm-hmm. Somebody's always holding a football, it seems, from here on out. You talked about the scene with all them in tuxedos, which I never freaking understood. So the rumor with that is that they're taking, like, engagement photos. But again, it should only be Johnny and Lisa. You don't need Mark, Denny, the psychiatrist friend who leaves right after that. You don't (laughs) need those people. That's the rumor. I don't know why they're all in tuxedos. I'll talk more about it when I get there, but. The room, the thing with Tommy Wiseau, when you ask him about it at a screening that he's at, he says, oh, I just thought it'd be funny to see them all in tuxedos playing catch. The, so I ended up getting this on DVD and there was an interview with Tommy Wiseau in it. And it's Greg Sestero, you could tell, is asking the questions. And one of them is, why throw the football with tuxedos? And Tommy Wiseau is like, I just wanted to show a football good game. You can play anywhere you want and you don't need a big field. <laughs> <laughs> so i know this is like we're going in course of the movie and i think we passed this point already but my favorite scene from the movie i know a lot of people talk about it. i'm curious what you think do you remember the scene where he buys flowers from oh the flower yes shop? yes yeah we did pass that <laughs> so by. he walks in and the person's like who are you a dozen red roses oh johnny you're my favorite customer thanks it's for you hi doggy and walks out <laughs> yeah. it's all done over adr you only see him walking there's another establishing side of san francisco you see him walk in lift his sunglasses up all that dialogue happens and then it's over yeah well, you talk about the adr too i wanted to bring this up because i'm currently working on a project where i'm building out a studio that can do that type of work for movies a lot yeah. especially 35 millimeter you film it but it doesn't always pick up the sound you have to layer the sound over it so people come in and they they like watch the movie and they say their their dialogue and yeah. it's very important to get it right otherwise it looks like you're out of sync and there are times in this movie especially Tommy Wiseau who's out of sync oh yeah 
with the ADR, the thing I noticed is all the sex scenes. The ones with Tommy Wiseau, the kissing is overdubbed. But then the ones with Greg, and it's not, none of this is Lisa. The ones with no. Greg, the moaning is overdubbed. It's him. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, yeah, like I it's said, weird. there's some good things, but yeah, there's that. Yeah, um, I, I had to bring up that scene just because how uh, this movie is just a mishmash of pro, pro, j- there's problems all over, but this is to me is the funniest one because it has the only thing in reality from this movie that this scene has is Johnny buying flowers for Lisa too. Go to a flower shop where the person says, oh, who are you? Yeah. Oh, you're my favorite customer. <laughs> oh, hi, doggy. Oh, this is like, it's all nonsense. <laughs> Something I wanted to say, too, I skipped by, but this is where I wanted to talk about it is there's, so famously when they made the the recent Wonder Woman movies, Gal Gadot has this kind of strange Israeli type accent. And Patty Jenkins decided for for all of the other, gosh, what the hell, uh, what the hell they are called the uh amazon amazonians yeah. yeah for all the other amazonians they she wanted that language to be like gal gadot so they brought in uh dialect coaches to get them to speak like her and that's where it was the same thing with the way tommy wiseau says chicken <laughs> cheap, cheap. <laughs> <laughs> I, i've got i've got a sample of that where he's asking mark to do something mark's like uh, he's like what are you chicken and again we can't do it any we can't mm-hmm. honor it in any way, so I'm gonna play how how John how Tommy Wiseau does it. <laughs> chicken, Peter, you just a little chicken. Cheep, 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 cheep. Are you calling a chicken? <laughs> yeah, that guy goes up at the end, <laughs> and I believe that was in reference to Peter not wanting to play catch. Yes, him. yeah, their tuxedo. Or is it Peter, not Greg? Yeah, and or not Greg? I keep Mark, but Mark, uh, yeah. and yeah, and it's like Denny's even doing yeah, the. They all like, flap their you. arms and make their. You can't see, but they like flap their hands like they're talking like a chicken. Yeah, also, and th- in the disaster artist, Josh Hutcherson plays Denny. God, they did some good casting for that. Movie. They did. <laughs> I talked about this is my favorite scene of the entire movie. Okay. Okay. Now during this time, you have Johnny still doesn't know that Mark is sleeping with Lisa, and he's only like every now and then I did not hit her, and just every now and then you see that, but he thinks everything's great. He's excited about their upcoming wedding, and they go to a coffee shop, and I'm going to okay. play for you them ordering coffee. Yeah, sounds good. Why don't you guys have a seat? We'll have that right after. Oh, hi, Susan. Well, hi, Johnny. How are hi, you? Good Susan. to see you. What would you like? Hot chocolate, please. What size you have? Medium, please. Sure. How about you? I'll have the mint tea. Okay. Medium also? Yeah. So Mark orders a venti. <laughs> <laughs> a minty. <laughs> well, it sounds like minty, but I'm thinking he's saying venti. Uh-huh. Venti is a size. Uh-huh. That is when you go to Starbucks and you say, I want a venti. That means you want the large size. So he's yeah, like, I'll, 20 ounces. Right. He goes, I'll have a venti. And they say, oh, what size? Or is medium okay? He's like, yeah. It's. <laughs> I don't. Tommy orders a hot chocolate. What is he, dead? Well, yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I don't know why I love that so much, but it just goes to the pure badness of this whole uh-huh. thing. Again, we don't know where the hell Tommy Wiseau's from, but I'm pretty damn sure Greg Sestero's from like, California or something like yeah, that. He's from yeah, he's from some co- coastal town, as far as I know. But again, it's this. Oh, and God, I keep forgetting stuff. This was also there was a scene with on the rooftop with Mark sitting there smoking pot. The only time you ever mm-hmm. see him doing that. And Peter, the psychologist, like, <laughs> what are you doing? You're having an affair. Yeah, and the moment <laughs> he says that, Mark takes Peter like he's going to throw him off the roof. <laughs> Mark has on a <laughs> jean jacket and jeans, yeah. <laughs> and I think a red T-shirt underneath. Yeah. But five seconds after he's about to throw Peter off the roof, he's like, "Hey, man, I'm sorry. Yeah, we're cool. Yeah. We're cool." <laughs> Peter has no problem with it. I'd be like, Dude, "You need to come see me in my office because you clearly got some issues." But that's <sighs> yeah. the thing too. This movie, Tommy Wiseau's vision of weed smokers in this movie is like. What's that movie that they used to show people when our parents were kids? Um, oh, um, to make them scared of marijuana. Yeah, yeah. Uh, gosh, I can't remember the name of it now. Reformat. Yeah, oh, like that's, it, that's it. Yeah. from that. That's how they look at weed in this movie. And it's like, you know, Mark smokes a little bit of a joint, and suddenly he's ready to kill one of his friends <laughs> because his friend is calling him out. It's nuts. And you're getting to the point now where people are like, they're good. They're going to start calling Lisa out. Start calling. 
Lisa's yep. got her friend, the one that was giving oral to the one dude. And uh, she's like, uh, Lisa's like, oh, you know, he hit me. And she's like, are you okay? Yeah. And then she's like, well, you can't hurt Tommy. He's too sensitive or something like that. It's, yeah, it's, it's <laughs> this movie is so nuts because it's like every issue in the world is Lisa's fault. So yeah. It's the woman's fault. And Johnny is just a good dude trying to make it in the world. Look how everybody's treated him wrong his yeah. whole life. He didn't get the promotion. His fiance is cheating on him. His best friend's sleeping with his fiance. Like, it's nuts. Oh, and when they're in the tuxedos and Mark comes in, he's like clean shaven and the camera focuses on it. Yep. And supposedly the rumor is that they wanted that scene so Tommy could call him babyface. Because, like, oh, also, look at yeah, babyface. This is from the disaster artist, but also Greg Sestero had a shot to get a role on Malcolm in the Middle playing like a yeah. lumberjack. But and he went to tell Tommy that and Tommy was so like upset that he said that that he told him, You have to shave your face for this next scene or else you breach a contract, you don't get paid anything. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> to make the room. <laughs> he wouldn't let him go beyond one episode of Malcolm in the Middle. So here's where the big scene, Tommy's birthday party. Yep. Oh, you thought of everything. You invited all my friends. Well, yeah, it's your birthday party, dude. Yeah, so, which is like eight people. And I, you uh, go back to the do the psychiatrist. I don't even know the guy's name, but some rando dude who becomes a main. Shows up. Yeah, yeah just show, shows up. For he, that. They're all just hanging out. And Lisa's like, hey, it's hot here. Let's all go outside. And they all go outside. And she closes the door except for Mark. And well, again, wait, before that, Tommy told everybody that they were expecting. Oh, yes, that's right. <laughs> yeah. And then you find out again, it's in the trailer releases like I just made it up because I thought it'd be fun. It'd be interesting. Yeah. It's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> but again, she's the root of all problem in the world in yeah. Tommy's eyes or yeah. Johnny's eyes. And so she's trying to make out with with Mark and then. A dude with no name comes in is like you guys can't be doing this and then she, everybody comes inside again she's like oh it's hot let's go outside and then they're all outside and the girl that's given head and then the dude that has no name are talking to lisa like you can't do this to him you can't mm -hmm. they're two i mean two of the too bad this isn't a visual media because i'd love to show these fights <laughs> he calls him a chicken again yes he does it <laughs> but it's supposed to be serious this time not uh -huh. a joke uh he and greg get in like a 10 second slap fight then they're like oh it's like it, again it, you know we it's an audio medium so we don't show but the fight is what you would get into with your friends when you guys would like rough house and it got a little too serious mm -hmm. and then you were fine 10 yeah. seconds later yeah and then two minutes after that mark and lisa are really slow dancing close together Mm -hmm. And Johnny's like, hey, what are you doing? And Mar uh, I record everything. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I forgot <laughs> about him, like, hooking up the recorder to the phone <laughs> to find all that stuff. But and they get in another fight and yep. they're the party breaks up and Johnny locks himself in the bathroom and Lisa's like, oh, come on. Everything's OK. And he's like, no, I'm not going to come on. So she calls up Mark and he, she's like. Hey, I'm leaving. I want to come over. He's like, yeah, come over, baby. I want your body. <laughs> <laughs> it's absolutely absurd. <laughs> yeah. And then Johnny comes out like, I know everything. And he could have just heard what she's saying, but he grabs a tape. And, uh -huh. A big tape. Recorder yeah. Too. Yeah. At least it's like, yeah. Well, I mean, like 2003, those tape recorders were gone in 1993. But easily. Yeah. He's like, you betrayed me. Everybody betrayed me. And she's like, I put up with you. I'm leaving. And then Ty, I'm going to play how Johnny <laughs> takes this. OK, so Lisa's left him. And this is how uh, <laughs> that's what he hulks out. <laughs> that's exactly what the sound cue says is Johnny Hulk out. Dramatic climax of the movie. And he's just knocking stuff over, like, not forcibly. No. So, yes, he proceeds to just push things over, knock things out, grabs a TV, throws it out the window. It's we, like slow-mo when he does it. Yes. Too. We get a close-up of the TV exploding. He keeps remembering all the good times with Lisa, and then he remembers the bad times. Yep. And then he's sitting there, and he finds a box with the gun, and he's like, ah, oh, forgive and me. 
And a dress. Yes. Oh, and the I'm sorry, the dress. Yeah. Where he grabs yeah, it a, and he humps it. Yeah. <laughs> he starts humping the dress. That's another thing in the disaster artist that he does when he's filming that scene. He there the first take of that, he shoots himself and then humps the dress. <laughs> and Seth Rogan's character's like, if you want to do that before you kill yourself. <laughs> yep. He humps the dress, rips it apart, puts a gun in his mouth, shoots himself, and then for He's now, dead. Yeah. Now, He's dead. now Lisa said she was leaving, but for some reason, her and Mark come back. And, and Denny. Well, Den- Denny later. I want to start That's with Lisa right. and Mark because they're like, oh my God. And Lisa's like, is he alive? And Mark, <laughs> le- <laughs> Mark leans down and kisses him on the forehead. <laughs> that's how he has to check if he's fast or not yes and he's like yeah he's dead she's like well at least i have you he's like you bitch you don't have me you 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 and then denny comes running in oh johnny (laughs) he's like leave him you leave you guys leave you leave him and mark's like leave him with him let's go and then they stop and they turn around they all just hug while it's a focus on dead Johnny with blood all behind him and hearing sirens come. And that's your movie, Todd. The room, yeah. It's just <laughs> the room. So now that you've seen it twice is it, and you have a theater degree, is it on the level of Tennessee Williams' dramatic stuff? Well, again, before I ever even saw that promo, I said, that's what this movie is. It's it's trying to be Tennessee Williams for somebody. That, I mean, look, I did a lot of amateur theater. You get We always talk about the theater people. Mm-hmm. that are people that are really into something, but sometimes they're just not good. Yeah. And I don't want to say this person's name. I'm not going to, but I remember I was casting for a play. It was The Crucible. So oh, fairly well-known play. That. And I remember this uh, this girl came up and she sang. This is a non musical, all right? Yeah, Crucible is like a heavy subject. Yeah, yeah. but she, for her audition, she came up and she sang the song "On My Own" from Les Misérables and sang it badly. It's kind of a trope in theater that this happens. I think even Glee made fun of it in its like first season. But uh, only murders in the building does stuff with Meryl Streep with that. And this, yeah, season. yeah. So that's what this seems like. This is the theater kids' idea of it. Having said that, I'm going to say two. Th- technical things about this movie i thought it was edited really well and i know that sounds weird but you knew where the action was you knew who was talking you knew like it established everything well whoever did the editing he supposedly paid some hollywood studio for like a first time director's package and i know the guy who edited the movie claims he directed it and there's some crap about that but it's actually edited well edited better than anything michael bay ever does yeah that's true is And it's actually shot well. And what I mean by that is the shots all make sense. It's the movement of the actors, which is very wooden. And if Tommy Tommy Wiseau actually did shoot this stuff, again, there's some things. It's actually competently done. The movie, oh, I forgot about the scene after this where Chris R. comes back and shoots Denny and then... Claudette's cancer goes into remission because no, never happened. (laughs) No, (laughs) (laughs) but let's talk about the legacy of this thing, okay? Well, I do want to say before we get into that, real, I'm just curious with you seeing it now. Do you think it's it's bad? It's a oh yeah, yeah. I have no doubt about that, but it's watchably bad. Oh, it's not like absolutely. You mentioned Michael Michael Bay movies are just bad. Yeah. For instance, the other night I was flipping through the channels and Pain and Gain was on. I'm like, oh, I've heard some people say stuff about this. I couldn't get through 15 minutes of that movie. But The Room, I can sit down and watch and laugh at and make fun of and we can talk about it. I think of this in a lot of the same way I think of The Apple. The Apple is this movie that I saw that I'm like, I mean, it is by no means is it not good. It's the longest damn hour and a half movie ever, but there is (laughs) nothing like it. And the people who made it, and I'll say this about The Room, too, the people that made The Apple really thought they were making something great. So they're way leaning into it. Whereas I know I bash on this movie all the time, but you could tell in The Rise of Skywalker that Oscar Isaac was done. You could just tell. you, And he's a great actor. But you watch him and he says lines like, well, the Emperor came back somehow, and you can see his eyes rolling. Or when the stormtroopers are flying and Finn's like, oh, they're flying, and you see Oscar Isaac go, oh, they're flying now. You can tell he's just mailing it in. All right. Sure. This movie, everybody's giving their best. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, their best isn't great, but no. they're giving their best. I mean, the biggest star of this movie was Greg Sestero, who had unspeaking lines in like Gattaca and Pleasantville. Well, that's what I was going to say. That's why 
none of these people went on to do anything after this because they're not well, the best actors in the world. Well, hold anything on. of importance. Uh, well, okay. All right. <laughs> Dan Jangigan, I think is how you say yeah, it. Chris R. Uh-huh. He competed in the 20, uh, 2002 Winter Olympics in bobsledding for Armenia. All right. Good for him. And in 2020, he ran as a Democrat for the U.S. Congress in Texas. Right on. So all right, cool. Lost. So, my new favorite actor. From yeah, so he, I talk about somebody giving it off, but yeah, legacy. We've talked a lot about the disaster artist. All uh-huh. right, the disaster artist was a book written by Greg Sestero, and yeah, you said somebody else, but yeah. this uh, the room has a lot of celebrity fans. Um, oh yeah. When it was coming towards the end of its uh, of its screenings. Even though everybody hated it at the beginning, they were noticing that these screenings, more and more people were coming. One of the people, two of the people that came to some of those screenings was Tim Heidecker and Eric Warheim, who would use, have used Tommy Wiseau in a lot of their different projects since then. Pat Oswalt got really into it. David Cross, Seth Rogen. Kristen Bell bought a, a reel of the film that she shows people at her house at viewing parties. Rob Thomas, who created Veronica Mars, and I believe he's one of the creators on Party Down. Yeah. He puts references to the room in almost everything he ever does. Mm-hmm. So you had a big celebrity kind of following for this movie. And then when it was released on DVD, I mean, it's more than made its money back. Oh, yeah. The DVD I have, there's a there's an alternate scene of the Denny Chris R scene, but they're playing basketball. Or he says, mm-hmm. hey, let's play some horse. And... Chris R. loses his mind. (laughs) Amazing. (laughs) And then there's the touring midnight showings. Now, this is where you come in, Ty. Yeah. What's your history with this movie? Much like you and not 20 years later, but I didn't find this movie until I was an adult. When I started listening to podcasts, how did this get made, talked about it. And then other people who are part of the comedy scene that I like started talking about it. So I had to see this movie and I rented it and watched it. I'm like, oh, this is as hilarious and bad as everybody was saying. I watched it again and again and like showed it to people. And then I mentioned him before Kirk, who's contributed to the podcast on the website. He brought it up to me. This was like six years ago. Maybe he said, Hey, they're doing, so we, we have this theater out here, which is bums me out. It's not a theater anymore. It's becoming a church, but it's called the Tivoli. And they would show midnight screenings all the time there. And, you know, Rocky horror, as you mentioned, but they, their whole thing is we're going to show cult classic type stuff. And Kirk brought to my attention that they were showing the room. And he said, you know, we got We should go to this. Let's go see it. I'm like, yeah, I would love to see this in a theater. I'd love to see it with people. I'm not much of a night owl, but going to a movie theater at midnight, whatever. So the first time I've gone to see it twice in the th- in, in, at these midnight showings. And the first time I went, I was underprepared. I had no idea what I was getting into. I didn't realize the theater would be sold out, that they'd be selling snacks, that people would be into this. So much so that Kirk had a fanny pack with him or like a, a bag with him. And it was full of plastic spoons. And I was like, what, what's going on with these plastic spoons? What are you doing? He said, oh, I read online that anytime they show a picture of a spoon, like a picture in a frame of a spoon, you're supposed to throw spoons at the screen. It's like, oh, that's weird. It happened so much in this movie. Like we threw so many spoons that night. I couldn't believe what was going on. And when they show shots of San Francisco and you see cars driving over the Golden Gate Bridge, everybody in the crowd started chanting, go, 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 go. Because you're supposed to do something like that. You know that that you chant that. And whenever Lisa would make out with Tommy or, or with Johnny or Mark, you would make mouth noises because you can see her mouth like moving the whole time and see their mouth moving. So we'd make gross mouth noises with the whole Chris R scene and Denny, people were saying that quote for quotes. I'm like, this is amazing. You know, I can't believe I'm with like-minded people who like this movie more than I do, which I didn't think was possible. So I was like hooked from that point forward, going to these midnight showings and watching this movie and finding out more that I could about it. And then about two years after our first viewing, Kirk texted me again and said, Hey, Tommy Wiseau is going to be in town. They're showing another midnight screening. We should go. I was like, count me in. I'm in. We had to buy tickets. It was like, I think $25 a ticket to get in. And you walk in there and there's just, again, a massive line of people, everybody waiting in line to take pictures and talk with Tommy Wiseau. And to his credit, he sat there and he talked to everybody. He waited. He took pictures with everybody. He had his glasses on. He had his vest, his jeans, all his belts, his rings, his gloves. Every It was him. And he's way smaller in person than you think he is in real life. He's a tiny, tiny dude. But, you know, he's, he goes through the cliche stuff. Oh, I'm Tommy. I, I'm glad you like my comedy movie. It's hilarious. We even saw him playing catch football with some people outside of the Tivoli when we went this time. 
The only bummer about that night is for a midnight screening, the movie didn't start until 2 a.m. Because he met everybody. And then he comes out on stage and talks to everybody. And then at these midnight screenings, and my DVD of a copy of it has this, but I wonder if you do. Before the movie, they show a commercial for Tommy Wiseau's underwear. And it's dudes in underwear and Tommy Wiseau, and they're throwing footballs and like swinging baseball bats and stuff. And then the movie starts, but they show at these midnight screenings, they show every single company that is involved in this movie. So there's like four open shots of like which different company Tommy Wiseau's interested in. And then it was the same thing again. We were throwing spoons or we doing all that. But my love for this movie has only grown over the years. And when you had mentioned to me that we were going to be doing this, I was like, sweet. I don't even have to take notes. I know this movie from start to finish. I can quote lines. Like we, we all have certain movies in our family. Our oldest brother loves Raising Arizona. He can quote that. You love Star Wars. I'm a big comedy guy. But this movie might be like the movie that I know the most out of any movie I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, I was going to bring up the underwear because there's this creepy ass headshot of Tommy Wiseau in my DVD case and, yep. and how to order his underwear in the, the back. Not like underwear he's worn, just no, no. His, his company. The company that he has. Yeah. I, that's the thing, too, with, with him, with Tommy Wiseau. Like, I'm so invested in this world that I've watched bits of his sitcom that he had, which you can see on YouTube. I've seen Best Friends Part One, which is a movie him and Greg Sestero. Yeah, Sestero wrote it, on. I think. Yeah, and yeah. I've seen the part one of that. I've even I even wrote on our website about Big Shark, which is still yet to come out, but I'd love to see it. And I talked about how the Brie Larson movie Room, how there is a weird, weird crossover. So yeah. this is a yeah. couple of years back in the comic book, the actual comic book of Captain Marvel. So obviously Brie Larson played Carol Danvers, Captain Marvel, but mm-hmm. it's Carol Danvers' birthday, and I think it's Deadpool or someone like that gives her the gift he gives her is the dvd of the room and she says no i asked for room the drama not this movie <laughs> and she looked at it and she goes oh this tommy Wiseau, he's an international criminal that the guardians of the galaxy are looking for nice <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> so they had i this, hope they do that <laughs> they had this weird crossover but as as of recently because you're right this this is one of those this is what this podcast is to fill in some of these blank spots on these, again, not great works of art, but works of art that are part of our cultural zeitgeist, so to say. And this, The Room is definitely that. Well, this year is the 20th anniversary of The Room. Crazy. And in honor of that, Bob Odenkirk is doing a shot-for-shot remake of this mm. movie where he is playing Johnny. Yeah, I heard about that. Now, they filmed it all in one day, green screen and everything. I think it's done in like a black and white. And they, they're doing it for a lot of it, I think, got held up because originally it was supposed to come out, uh, I think, in March. But then they were going to move it to the actual anniversary date, which I think is late June. Mm-hmm. But then we had something called the writers and actors strike hit. Yep. And I guess they had shown it somewhere because if you go to YouTube, you will see the scene the I did not hit her, oh, hi, Mark scene. And I encourage people to watch this scene because, first off, you can tell how different it is with real actors. I mean, really good actors can make bad dialogue sing. Um, sure. Josh Olson, who's a writer, he wrote History of Violence. He he uh, did the West Wing Speaking thing. of another movie with a very uncomfortable stare oh, sex scene, which, yeah. which I saw with our mom. In the <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> uh. But uh, Josh Olson often talks about how being a writer is sometimes you can just get an actor who will take your stuff and you're like, my God, that's not what I wrote. This person's way better than me. <laughs> so you watch this scene and it's it's just it's strangely competent because it's not Odenkirk mimicking Tommy Wiseau. He's Bob Odenkirk. But Mm -hmm. the way they deliver the dialogue with the proper pauses and looking around, (laughs) that you could just see that that other people did not do that. I have yet, I mean, I scoured the internet uh, outside of that one scene. I've yet to see what it, what's going on with this i know that they meant to do this for profits for amfar which is a hiv and aids research organization so i'm sure they're going to want to release it better believe i'll go see that if they release it <laughs> yeah absolutely i mean <laughs> oh i'll i'll be definitely there but this uh, oh i meant to say the disaster artist was nominated for an oscar it was nominated for i think mm-hmm. the uh adapted screenplay oscar yeah. so it did uh, it's a, it that's the thing too like it's a funny 
movie that looks at a funny, weird thing, but it's well made and well done. And I know Frank James Franco has his issues. Mm-hmm. He really embodies Tommy Wiseau. His brother Dave Franco is great as Greg Sestero. And I mentioned there's Seth Rogen, Paul Shear, Judean Rayfield, Jason Manzukis. The lady who plays Claudette in, in The Disaster Artist, she's like a famous actor from, I believe she was in like Animal Kingdom or something. Like they have big name people. And Bob Odenkirk is in The Disaster Artist. He plays one of Tommy's uh, acting teachers. So like they have a lot of famous, funny comedy people who also do dramatic stuff. Nathan Fielder plays Peter in the movie. Come yeah. on. like I know. No. <laughs> No, it's and Tommy Wiseau's still out there. Like you said, Big Shark. He's got an untitled UFO film in pre-production. Yeah. And uh forgot before I forget, at one point, and they said they didn't do this because they ran out of money, but Tommy Wiseau wanted the last shot of the movie. Again, this is after he shoots himself, to be Johnny in a Cadillac flying across the San Francisco skyline to insinuate he's some kind of vampire. They touch base with that <laughs> in the disaster artist, because as James Franco, as Tommy Wiseau is right in the movie, there's a throwaway line where he says, maybe Johnny's vampire. And then they just move on. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, but you see all these like kind of outsider comedy people that we talk about, uh, Heidecker, Odenkirk, uh, uh, mm-hmm. Pat Oswald, all this other stuff. They've all really kind of loved this movie. And I think it's because it relates to that kind of this is I mean, this is a guy that had a passion and. Yep put it out there and it sucked but he put it out there and i think that's and why he with it, it when it got bad reviews yeah. and people called it a comedy he's like yeah it's a comedy so this is where it comes full circle and where i say that trailer we played at the beginning look he meant for this to be some kind of tennessee williams super chamber play or something like that and he noticed as the audiences started to come they were having fun with it engaging with it so he went from and I, in that trailer, too, at one point, they say the best movie of the year. I don't know who the hell said that, but OK. Um, well, there's nobody saying that. No. It's just them in the trailer. So but you could tell that trailers cut like, you know, with the power of Tennessee Williams. It's a riot. See the greatest black comedy of the year or something like that. That's not what Tommy Wiseau, yeah. even if he says he did, that's not what he intended. No. But he no. he found a way to 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 capitalize on it to the point is I paid American currency and I hope Tommy Wiseau sees some of that money to have this movie in my collection because it's one of those movies when I talk to people about The Room and they're like, oh, I've heard of that. I haven't seen it. Oh, well, then you're going to go watch it. Well, and not only have I bought it on DVD, but I've seen it twice at midnight screenings and I... I like I I adore this movie. It's not good at all, but I adore it and I feel like I'm part of like a cool like group of people who know about the room and know it inside out and stuff. I, I don't know. Just give me a weird feeling. And the, this is the last thing I'm going to say about it because people are going to be like, okay, I got, I got to go see this. I figured a movie like this. That's pretty popular is streaming somewhere. It's not. Nope. I actually searched for it. I actually went in the, I was going to even purchase for rent on Amazon or Apple TV or Google play, any of those places, nowhere you could find it. I did. That's when I saw, oh, you know what? The original, we're recording this one day later because I'm like, oh, I have to order it from Amazon and it's going to come da da da. Cause I even checked my local stores for it. Nobody had it, but I did find somewhere it was, uh, it was showing on the internet because do you know what the internet wayback machine is or the internet archive? I've heard of it before, but I'm not. It, it's, ba- it. yeah, it's basically what it is. It's, it's an archive of all the internet. And so if something's been out there on a site of a certain size, it's probably been archived. Well, Tommy Wiseau put the entire movie up on YouTube one time and took it down a day later. But that means it's been out there. It's been on YouTube. So I went to the Internet Archive and I found the entire film and sat and watched it. (laughs) (laughs) And then you bought it. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) All right, Ty. Well... If they got to find you to be in Tommy Wiseau's untitled UFO film, where are they going to find you? Please do find me <laughs> at uh, Instagram and Facebook, T-Y-K-U-L-I-K, all lowercase. Come read my stuff on Seedsing, S-E-E-D-S-I-N-G.com. Uh, I've written about The Room many times on there. You can hear me on the Ex-Millennial Man podcast, which is our main podcast. I'm usually on that with you. And as I like to end every Ex-Millennial Man, I'm going to end these with Black Lives Matter. Yeah, we repeat all that. In first watch, rewatch, you can find it any of your podcast apps. Uh, find it under that or Public Forum Productions. Uh, you'll see it. 
It's a, this podcast comes out the first and 15th of every month. Next month is the spooky season. So we will be watching a classic, terrible horror film to discuss. And then, and the thing I got planned for the next one is, is quite, quite, uh, the ride quite nice. like this one was. And Ty, as we sit and look at each other and look at the room lovingly and our red dresses and our roses, it just fills me fills me with uh, what's the right word for it? Oh yeah, a little little slow jammy music here. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, yeah, with all that, we thank you for your ears. Anything else that you may use to listen to first watch rewatch, and uh, remember go go find that trash and realize it might be the treasure. Talk to you next time, Todd. Stay fresh, cheese bags. 